I want to read to you from Luke 24, verse 1. We'll put the scriptures up on the screen. Luke 24, verse 1. It says, Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. So Jesus was crucified Friday, Friday afternoon, Friday morning in an after, afternoon. And they took down his body and they buried him. And so he was in the grave on Saturday. And so this is Sunday morning. These women had gotten spices and, you know, before and then first thing in the morning they go to the tomb. Verse 2, but they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here but risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. Then they returned from the the tomb and told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told them or told these things to the apostles. And their words seemed to them like idle tales. And they did not believe them. But Peter arose, ran to the tomb, and stooping down, he saw the linen cloths lying by themselves, and he departed, marveling to himself at what had happened. So you see these women going to the tomb, the disciples that followed Jesus. When he was crucified, they did not know what was going on. They did not expect this. They expected that he was, they believed he was the Messiah, but they had the idea that the Messiah was going to come and set up the kingdom on the earth at that point. And so when Jesus was crucified, they were confused, they left, they abandoned Jesus, they did not know what was going on. Our king, this person we followed, has been crucified, and so they go to him, go to to, uh, see where he was buried, and he's not there. The stone, this huge stone, was rolled away, and they made that secure because they had heard that, the, that Jesus had preached that he would rise the third day. So they set guards there. I'm talking about the Romans. Set guards. They sealed that tomb so that this would not happen. But when the women went there, there the tomb was. These were, this is a huge stone. I mean, this wasn't a little rock. This was huge. It took many people to move it. So they, they go, and Jesus isn't there, and an angel is there, and saying, he, He's not here. He is risen. And don't you remember, He said that He would be crucified, and then the third day He would rise again. So Mary and... Uh, Joanna and Mary and the other women, they told these things to the apostles, and to them, they seemed like idle tales. Even the, the disciples didn't say, oh yeah, we were expecting this. They did not know. They had heard stuff, but they don't see 
They didn't have the benefit of looking at the, the Bible like we do. They didn't understand what was going on. And so they didn't believe originally. They did not believe them, it says. Verse 12, But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping down. He saw the linen cloths lying by themselves, and he departed, marveling to himself at what had happened. Now I want to read you a few more scriptures here, just talking about that resurrection. But today I want to talk to you about the importance of the resurrection. According to historical record, after Jesus' death on the cross and burial, he appeared alive to more than 500 people on 12 separate occasions. All but one of the appearances, which was to Paul the Apostle later, occurred within the first 40-day period following Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection. On 12, all 12 occasions, Jesus was seen and he was probably heard. Jesus offered for his body to be touched at least three times and he was definitely touched twice. Jesus showed witnesses the scars from his crucifixion on two occasions and ate food with his disciples three to four times. In four instances, witnesses responded to their encounter with Jesus worshiping, with Jesus by worshiping him. Mark 16, 12, it says after that, after um, there's... A few disciples that were walking and they saw Jesus and they walked with him and they went back and told the disciples. And after that happened, he appeared in another form to two of them as they walked. We'll talk about that in a second. This is that instance. As they, they walked and went to the country and they went and told it to the rest, but they did not believe them either. So that you can see they don't believe originally. This isn't a foregone conclusion. People don't raise from the dead. They followed Jesus, they saw him do miracles, but they did not believe. Luke 24, 36, so this is where they were talking, these two went back and uh, were talking to the, the disciples. Now as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were terrified and frightened and supposed they had seen a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled, and why do doubts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself handle in me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. So the doors closed. The disciples are there. Two disciples had seen Jesus. They're back talking to the other disciples, saying, We saw him. The door is closed, and Jesus appears to them. And they're scared. This is all historical account. We're going to touch on that again, a little bit more. They're, they're like, whoa, a ghost. And so that's what he said. He said, reach out and touch my hands. He, goes, he said, a spirit, a ghost does not have flesh. He said, behold my hands and my feet. That is, that it is I myself. He's saying, it's me, guys. Handle me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. But while they still did not believe for, they still did not believe for joy and marveled, he said to them, Have you any food here? So he said, Hey, you guys got anything to eat? So they gave him a piece of broiled fish and some honeycomb, and he took it and ate it in their presence. Jesus ate food. John 20, 24. And I'm just saying a few of these things and then... Going to go uh, make a few comments. Now, Thomas called the twin. One of the twelve was not with them when Jesus came. So Jesus came. Thomas isn't there. 
Guys, these are just, these are people like you and me. Put yourself in this situation. They don't know, they don't really know who Jesus is. They do to a degree, but they don't know him. They don't know all about him. They know they followed him. They believed he was the son of God. And then he was killed. This is not in the playbook. This is not what they thought was going to happen. They're, they were confused. Now he appears and they're like, no, no. I don't, they don't believe. And he's in the middle of them. Now Thomas wasn't there. The other disciples therefore said to him, we have seen the Lord. Now look at his reaction. I mean, we can't knock Thomas. People knock Thomas. Uh, there's a lot of people in the same boat. So he said to them, unless I see his hands, in his hands, the print of the nails, because he was crucified, he was hung on a cross. They drove spikes through his hands on both sides and spikes through his feet. And they hung there until they died. And Jesus died very quickly in six hours. He said, I won't believe unless I see these things. And then I put my hand in his side. He had, he was, they, they put a spear into his side to, to see if he was dead at the end. He said, I will not believe. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut. See, they're shut again. The door's locked. It's like the doors are closed and let's say those doors are locked and Jesus appears in here. So Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst, and he said, peace to you. Why would he have to say peace? Because they're freaked out. <laughs> People don't just appear in the middle of a room. Do they? Is that how you guys get around your house? All of a sudden you're there? Hey. No, Jesus is all of a sudden there, and they're like, whoa. Even the people that saw him before and did that once, I bet you it still freaked them out. Whoa, he's there again. Where did you come from? Quit doing that. After, okay, so after eight days, so Thomas is like, I'm not going to believe. And so Jesus came and said, peace to you. Verse 27, then he said to Thomas, notice this, he said, reach your finger here and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it in my side. Do not be but unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. The doctrine of resurrection, doctrine means teaching, is absolutely central to the Christian faith. Romans 1 verse 1 it says, Paul says, Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God, which he promised before through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was born of the seed of David, according to the flesh, and declared to be the son of God with power, according to the spirit of holiness, by the resurrection of the dead. So he was declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness, by what? The resurrection of the dead. The doctrine, the teaching, the belief of the resurrection of Jesus Christ is absolutely central to the Christian faith. If the resurrection of Jesus is not totally true, 
then everything in the Bible and in the life of Jesus that precedes it, all Genesis, the book of Genesis through the, all the gospel accounts, and everything that follows it, the book of Acts through the book of Revelation, if you're not familiar with the Bible, starts with Genesis, goes all through the Old Testament, then there's the Gospels, there's four Gospels which tell the, story, the account of Jesus, and then all the way in the New Testament till the end, the last book is called Revelation. If, these, if Jesus didn't actually raise from the dead, all this is absolutely meaningless. Let's just look at it for what it is. If Jesus Christ did not raise from the dead, it's all a bunch of junk. 1 Corinthians 15 says this, verse 14. If Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty, and your faith is also empty. Yes, we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that He raised up Christ, whom He did not raise up, if in fact the dead do not rise. And for if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile, you are still in your sins. Then also, those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in only of this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable." We'll read this in the New Living Translation. If Christ has not been raised, if he didn't actually raise from the dead, if this is all a fairy tale, if it's all something that people just made up, then all of our preaching is useless and your faith is useless. The Apostle Paul is writing this. Next verse. And we apostles, Paul's calling himself an apostle, a messenger of Jesus, would all be lying about God. And that goes for every one of us. If, if, we, if anybody on the planet that believes Jesus and has told anybody about Jesus, if Jesus didn't raise from the dead, we're all liars. For we have said that God raised Christ from the grave, but that can't be true if there's no resurrection from the dead. And if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you are still guilty of your sins. See, Jesus died so that we could be absolved of our failures. And if he didn't actually raise from the dead, then nothing has happened. And we believe a useless lie and we are still in the same state. And God, we are not any closer to God. It says, in that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are, are more to be pitied than anyone else in the world. You can see, without the resurrection, you can see all this. Our preaching is useless. Your faith is useless. We are false witnesses. We're liars. No dead will ever be raised. Your faith is futile. You are all still guilty of your sins. All who have believed in Christ are lost, and we are to be pitied more than anyone else in the world. Peter Lewis in The Glory of Christ said this, If Jesus has not risen from the dead, his own expectations are disappointed, and his repeated promises proven false, his assurances worthless. In that case, whoever else the Nazarene might have been, he certainly was not and is not Lord. If Jesus has not risen from the grave, his disciples are incompetent transmitters of truth, for this doctrine was the cornerstone of their apostolic teaching. 
Worse, they are actually false witnesses claiming to be eyewitnesses of a miracle that never truly happened. And if Jesus has not risen from the grave, if his body once lay moldering in Joseph's tomb and is now forgotten dust, then death is still victorious and final. There is no good news for the dying. If for a Savior we have only a ghost, then for heaven we shall have only a dream. If the resurrection is not true, what difference does it make if Noah built an ark? If Moses led the children of Israel to the Canaan land, to Canaan land, if David killed Goliath, if Joshua conquered Jericho, these are all counts in the Bible, if Daniel spent the night with, within the lion's den, if Jesus walked on the water and fed the multitudes. The church in the book of Acts grew rapidly, and Peter wrote, or Paul wrote letters. What all does that matter? If Jesus didn't raise from the dead and isn't truly the Son of God and isn't seated with God, then it's all totally worthless and meaningless. First Corinthians 15, verse 3. We have 15, um, the one before it. It's actually up higher. We'll come back to this one. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3 through 8. It says, If I passed on to you what was most important and what has also been passed on to me, that Christ died for our sins, just as the Scriptures said. He was buried and He was raised from the dead on the third day. Just as the scripture said, he was seen by Peter and then by the twelve. And after that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time. Most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. Last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. That's Paul speaking. You can't have living faith with a dead Savior. 1 Corinthians 15.32 says, If the dead do not rise, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. In the New Living Translation it says, If there is no resurrection, let's feast and drink, for tomorrow we die. The point is, if there's no resurrection, if Jesus didn't actually die, let's party. Let's have a good time. God's not against partying. He's just against us making fools of ourselves and doing stupid stuff that's going to hurt us. God is the author of fun. Amen? Amen. He, he is not, you know, the Debbie Downer, as I've heard people say. <laughs> he, he is not the party pooper. God wants us to have fun that actually is fun and you... Have fun, long-lasting, you don't regret. People have confused these things, thinking God wants, you to keep, wants to keep you from having a good life. No, it's quite the opposite. Jesus came so that we would have abundant life, the Bible says. Have life to the full, have everything we need, have uh, 
a full, overflowing life, John 10.10 says. God, Jesus did not come so that he, we could have a bunch of rules and regulations. God has things, just like if you have children. Let me ask your parents. Not everybody has children here, but we've all been children, and you should, we should know this by now. Our parents did the best they could, usually, with what they had. The rules that they said were not just, in the best case, just for rules. And ideally, as parents, the things we tell our children and set up for them are not so that they just don't have a good time, it's so that they're safe. You don't tell the, you know, four-year-old, don't cross the road, so that without looking, without me, basically, a four-year-old, you say, don't go near the road. That's not so that you can say, well, I don't want you to have any fun. It's so they don't get killed. Right? The, well, you don't want me to have any fun. Well, you think it's fun getting run over by a truck? They don't understand that that thing could kill them. Right? God does not put stuff in our life so that, you know, tell you, hey, don't do that. It'll hurt you. He's tell, just so that you can say, well, don't do that because, you know, it's a good rule and I like it. So don't do it. I just want to see if I can control you. No. God has told us to do certain things. Why? Because it's the best for us? Because certain things could kill us? <laughs> Don't do that. Why not? Because you'll end up dead. Well, I like doing it. You'll end up dead. You want to be dead? See, people have a twisted view of God. Oh, he's no fun. Just want you to do all these rules and regulations. No, see, that's why Jesus came, is he paid the price for our failures so we don't earn our way to God. Jesus came and paid for the price for us to be right with him. And all we have to do is believe that, and then you receive what he did. Now, he's going to, God will give us things that are good for us, but they don't earn anything with God. You can't earn your way to heaven. Of what are considered the great faiths or religions of the world, Christianity alone stakes its entire claim and bases its entire existence on the resurrection of its founder, nothing more and nothing less. Christianity is not based on a set of ideas, creeds, morals, beliefs, lifestyle, discipline, or practices. Christianity is not set up that you do this and you do that and you earn your way to God. It is not us earning a place with God because that is impossible. Nobody is good enough to earn a place with God. It's standard. His standard is too high. It's perfection. Flawless. And it's not that he's just saying, oh, you just can't get to me. He is legal. He's just. And there is an enemy. There is one called Satan in the world that hates God, and he doesn't want, he, he, he hates anybody that would go near him, and he lies about God. And if, if God says, well, you know, it's all okay, I like this one, just let it pass. He is not just anymore. And Satan himself can come and say, you're not just. So he has a standard. The only way we could be right with God was for Jesus to take our place and to pay the price. It is not based 
on ideas, a creed, a teaching, morals, beliefs, lifestyle, how much you discipline yourself, or certain practices. Christianity may produce some of those things, but genuine biblical Christianity is based entirely and exclusively on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Tony Evans said this in his book, Who is this King of Glory? The resurrection places Jesus Christ in a class by himself. It makes him unique. Other religions can compete with Christianity on some things. They can say, for example, your founder gave you a holy book. Or your founder gave you a holy book. Our founder gave us a holy book. Your founder has a large following. So does ours. You have buildings where people come to worship your God. We have buildings where people come to worship our God. But Christians, Christianity would say some of that may be true, but our founder rose from the dead. The question is, is that true? If it's true, then the claims of the Bible are true. If it's false, then like we said, it's all garbage. It's an honest question, right? Because if we're just playing a game then like we read in the scriptures, we're fools. We live our whole life believing a fairy tale, or however much of our life, believing in something that doesn't exist. But if Christ rose from the dead, that changes everything. Because nobody comes back to life. Nobody, no human, when they're in the grave, for days, naturally speaking, comes back to life. But Jesus came back to life and rose from the dead with victory over death, and he did that for you and for me, to be right with God. See, we could not earn our way to God. So God came to earth. The Almighty the creator of the universe, of everything we know, the planets, the stars, the vastness of space, he was before all of it. We, we cannot comprehend who he is. Our minds are finite. We cannot comprehend who the Almighty is. But he came to earth in the form of a man. He's 100% man, 100% God. His name was Jesus. And he came so that we could be brought back to him. So that people could have a relationship with him. Romans 4.24 says, Righteousness, standing acceptable to God, will be granted and credited to us also who believe in, trust in, adhere to, and rely on God who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead who was betrayed and put to death because of our misdeeds, and who was raised to secure our justification, our acquittal. See, those are legal terms. Our justification, our acquittal. Making our account balance and absolving us from all guilt before God. In the New Living Translation, it says, He was handed over to die because of our sins, and He was raised to life to make us right with God. Notice that. See, he was handed over to die because of our sins. Jesus was crucified because you and I have failed. Amen? 
We have failed. Does anybody want to stand up and say, I have not? I have not failed. Stand up and say, I, I have made zero mistakes. Goose egg. No, we've all failed. The Bible says in Romans 3.23 that all have failed. All have fallen short of God's glorious standard. But it says he was handed over to die because of our sins. He was raised to life to make us right with God. To make us right with him. First Peter 1 Peter 1.3 says, Praise be to God, the God and our Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. See, it is through the fact the resurrection proves that Jesus was and is who He said He was and who he says he is. And who he said he, why he came was that we could have a hope in Christ. That for all mankind, God was separated from man because man is not perfect. Man has fallen. And to be a just God, God could not just accept the failures and just gloss over them. They, there needed to be made a payment, and that's what Jesus was. And the proof that that is true is the resurrection. And these people that we read about that saw, they saw Jesus. They were witnesses. They walked with him. They ate with him. They listened to him, and like we said, when this came down and he was crucified, they did not know what was going on, and they weren't assured. But then they saw him. He came into the room, as close as I am to these folks. He was touched by them. They saw him. He appeared to his disciples, he appeared to others. The Bible says he appeared to over 500 people at once. And they are witnesses to what we're talking about today that Jesus has risen. See, what we're celebrating on Easter is the fact that he is not in a grave. That he is actually who he said he was, the Son of God, and that he is in heaven at the right hand of the Almighty, and that what he said was true, and that gives credence to everything that he taught, that he actually was the Son of God, that he actually was the sacrifice for us to be right with God, and that through him we can be children of God and be right with him. That's what we're celebrating on Easter. Easter is not eggs and all this stuff. That came into the picture later. <laughs> nothing against eggs, nothing against the pastel colors. But that's not the core of what Easter, in fact, the name Easter comes from something else. We celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. That's what we're celebrating today, that there is a tomb that is empty. And everything hinges on this. And because he rose, that means that there is actually a hope for anyone that calls on his name to be right with him. The Bible says... 
in Romans 10, verse 9, said, If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. Notice that. What are we to believe? Openly declare or confess that Jesus is Lord, that he is who he said he was, because these people saw him, and they, the apostles, the messengers, that's what that means, they weren't just men that were just, you know, here, we give you, you know, we deputize you. Go and, you know, do something for God. They were the ones that walked with him and saw him and he appeared to them and then he appeared to these others and they went out telling people, this person who we saw, Jesus, he walked, he said he was the son of God, he declared that he would raise from the dead, he has. We've seen him. He's, it's true. We've seen him multiple times and he appeared to many people and, they, and this went all over and the, what it comes back to is these, these people saw him. And like what we read with Thomas, Thomas said, I, I, won't, I won't believe unless I see. Well, all those people have gone on and they are all dead in body. All the disciples, they, they don't walk the earth anymore. But they told other people. And those people told other people. And the belief, what we're believing is that that witness is true. That that actually happened. If that happened, then today there is a hope. Today there is a hope that we can believe in him. Here it says, if you openly declare that what? That Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. See, that's what we're to believe, that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. For it is, believing, is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. See, there aren't any religious formulas or rituals. It is just calling on the name of the Lord, and the Bible said we would be saved. We need to understand... That everyone has sinned, that we fall short of what God, God's standard was. We need to understand that God made everything. And that only through a sacrifice, only through Jesus, that we could be made right with Him. The Bible says God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. When we didn't have anything to offer him, Jesus came. And then he rose from the dead. And that hope that we have is because there is an empty tomb. The Bible says that anyone who approaches him, Romans 10, 13 says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord would be saved. Glory to God.